we're on number 40 of the 48 ways. Number 40 reads that if you want to live, you've got to learn to be machrio lekaf schus. Machrio means to weigh him down. Lekaf is the two balances, the scales, you know, of schus. Schus means being uh, virtuous. Machrio lekaf schus. You have to weigh your fellow man down on the side of virtue, on the side of good. Now, what does it mean to weigh a person down on the side of virtue? What do you got to do? So, on the one hand, what it means is, on the simple level, what it means is you got to better people. you got to get them into a better way of living. you got to improve their life quotient. you got to help them. We just went through, share the burden with your fellow man, feel his problems. It's not enough to feel his problems. you got to do something for him. you got to get him into some productive way of life. On the other hand, and it's part of it. Machil chavshus means you gotta judge him to the side of virtue. Somebody does something, you can look at the virtuous side, he, he really means to help. Or you can look at it in the negative side, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah? You gotta look at the virtuous side. You have to weigh down the side of virtue. You have to judge your fellow man to be good. So to give you an appreciation of what this is and the feeling and, and the way we, we take it seriously, I give you a focus, and the focus is, let's say you're, you're in a hotel, you're in the Hilton, you know, and next door there's a guy, he goes out on his balcony, yeah, climbs over the balcony, and he's going to jump. Do you want to help him? Are you going to watch? You're going to say, boy, this is, this made my day. <laughs> you're going to see a guy jump off the building, yeah? You know, there's a sickness in man that they can stand there and say, jump, 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 yeah? We don't want no part of that. Right? You know that you care. You're going to help him. Now, what are you going to do to help him? What if he says, why not? What are you going to say? No, no, but you certainly try, right? What if you can grab him? What if you can knock him down, put him on the side, you know? Do you think you have the right to grab him, knock him down? I mean, after all, he wants to jump. Let the poor guy go. So that means that you care. You do want to help. But here the issue is pretty, pretty clear, you know. <laughs> That's pretty clear. But at the same time, it tells you, another human being, to help him to avoid doing something which is counterproductive, which is bad, is part and parcel of what is built into yourself. It's something you cannot ignore. You'll never forgive yourself if you just stand there. What, what, what is this? What is this power? Do you see that it's a tool for you? So now, the first step in order to accomplish this, you've got to understand the difference between tochacha, somebody criticizes you, learn how to love it. Yeah? We discussed that one. And love to give correction. Show people, show them what is right. But when you show a person what is right, you're putting it into his lap. He has to make the decision to use it. Machil chavzchus is, never mind showing him. Just get him into the right pattern of living. So I was depressed. Now you can show him how to get out of depression. You can show him how to be happy. Show him how much he has that if he was blind and he had a pair of eyes, he'd be dancing a jig. And you got a pair of eyes. But he has to make that effort. Do you, do you understand? That's tochoch. That's correcting. That's showing him that he's counterproductive. But he doesn't have the energy to get out of it. Yeah. Machil chavzchus is, you know how you get him out of this depression? Very simple. Ask him to help you move the furniture upstairs. 
You know why that gets a man in depression? Huh? That's right. You have to concentrate on being depressed. <laughs> he all says he forgets about it. Go, watch out. The, 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 the table is there. Watch out. Yeah, all right. Okay, here, there, there. Okay, takes three hours to move the furniture, right? Now he wants to get back into depression. Now, where was I? Let's see. You know, you got to get the right... <laughs> you got to get the right focus, yeah? He lost the focus. <laughs> Can't get into this depression. All right, let's go play ball. <laughs> So you didn't show him anything, you just got him out of depression. Okay, so number two is how do we accomplish this? The first thing in accomplishing this is first you have to focus on his problem. You've got to see his problem. What's he doing? You see, he's depressed. He wants to jump off the roof. He is arrogant. That's a problem. He's arrogant. He's not not in in a good space for living, right? He's indecisive. He's confused. He can't make decisions. He doesn't know what he wants. He is... Etc., etc., lack of confidence, whatever it is, he's got problems. Now, you don't have to feel his problems, that's no sabaol. But you have to first focus that these are real human beings, they've got problems, and you want to help them. So you've got to see his problem if you're going to help him. Okay, number three is that in order to help him, you've got to accept the responsibility. You know, it's not just a shot. You accept the responsibility. When that guy is standing on the balcony, he wants to jump, you just know you've got to do something. If he asks you, why not? And you can't come up with a good reason. And you know that there is a good reason. <laughs> it's wrong. It's bad. Don't. Yeah? Stick. Yeah? But you're not eloquent. You won't forget. It'll haunt you the rest of your life, right? Because you know you have the responsibility. You've got to appreciate we are our brother's keepers. Yeah, yeah. We are responsible for each other. Yes, yes. It's easy to accept the responsibility when a guy is going to die. When he has a broken arm, that's the body. Yeah. When he's confused, you say it's not my responsibility. It is your responsibility. He's indecisive. He's arrogant. It's not. It is. Accept that. Am I making sense? Do you see that? It's the same thing. And B of this is that the buck stops here. You've got to do something. Don't say, well, he has parents. He has friends. He has. The buck stops here. <laughs> You're on point. This is your responsibility. It means you've got it. See that it gets done. Not, well, uh, you know, I, I try. Otherwise, we, we're not going to do it. You've got to accept. You want to, the buck stops here, you feel responsible. You've got to succeed. You've got to be determined. Number four is, now set yourself. Set yourself. The idea is not to tell him off, not to give him a piece of your mind, not to insult him, not to preach at him, but what? Not even to show him. That's, that, that's separate. You show him. You, you really explain it to him well. You really, and he really understands that being depressed is a terrible thing to do. Now he is going to be depressed about being depressed. Yeah. He's bleeding. Help him. Stop the bleeding. Don't tell him, hey, you're bleeding. Don't preach at him. Bleeding is no good. Don't yell at him, idiot. Why aren't you doing something about it? Stop the bleeding. Makes sense. All right, so number five is, so you got to do something. So what's something? So the guy's depressed. You know what the natural thing to do? We've mentioned it before. It's happened to you. You're very depressed. You can't get out of it. You're struggling, and somebody comes by, a good friend, and he gives you a good whack on your back, and he says, cheer up. You got everything to live for. Yeah. He did something, right? And he actually gets you out of your depression. How does he get you out of your depression? 
you get so darn angry, <laughs> you forget to be depressed. You yell at him, right? Idiot, I'm trying to get out of depression. Now you got to get back into depression. Because <laughs> when you're angry, yeah. But it was a stupid thing to do. You see that? So at the same time, you do something, even though it's stupid, it might work. Contrary to your expectations, but it's, it's not the right way to go about it. But do something. At least you, you've, you've manifested your interest. You haven't just walked by. Yes, Karen. So, guys are going to jump off the balcony. So, if you get them angry, it's that on the back, he's going to say, oh, I can't jump off the balcony right now. I'm too upset. No, no, no. What you got to do is you say, hey, you're a coward. Why don't you come over here and, 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 and tell me why you're so damn miserable. You're scared to. No, get him so angry at you that he forgets about jumping off the roof and he wants to punch you in the nose. So, of course, you're a punch nose, you know. <laughs> yeah. You got to get him so angry. Yeah, it's a, it's a technique. I don't favor that technique. It might, unless you're very strong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the best technique available, but it's definitely a technique. No, we're saying the first thing. Do something. The guy is doing wrong. Get him. Try. Make an effort. Because that itself is taking you out of you into we. Yeah? You're sharing. And it is in itself a help, even though the fellow doesn't feel it. Because it is somebody reaching out. Do you see that? But better still is number six, is figure out what to do. Make a plan. Make a plan. Think what will work. Here's a guy who's depressed. What can I do? I can slap him on the back and say, cheer up. Now, will that work? We can perceive what will be his reaction. If we think a moment, eh, he's, he's, he's going to get angry. Well, maybe that's worthwhile. Mm. All right. At least you made a plan. You're looking. You're... Considering what will work instead of just doing what you f your impulse is to do. Number seven is, better still, is make five plans. Right? There are many ways of skinning a cat. There's perhaps some that are more efficient than others. Yeah? So if you think of a few of them, okay, you'll get the better idea. And it's worth at least... Your friend, your human being, you have to value a human being to the extent that you're willing to give him something that's not just uh, makeshift, but the best that you can produce. Yeah. Or at least an effort. At it. Then you're, you're really a good person. Then you care for another person. But number eight is, first fulfill no sabaol, share his burden, feel where he is, understand what's bothering him. Why is he depressed? What's on his mind? First feel him, and then make a plan. Then make a plan. So, you see, there's some things that work for everybody. Move the furniture, say he's out of it, right? He's out of it, but you really haven't gotten, gotten anywhere with him. It's just that you're waiting for it to happen again. So if he has one fit of depression every three months, not so bad. You just got to move furniture every three months, you know? <laughs> but you got to be around, yeah? But there's something bothering him. Get there. Why is he depressed? Because he doesn't know what he wants out of life, because he, he feels he's wasting his life. After he's through with the furniture, he's going to waste his life again, right? 
But more to the point is showing him his accomplishments. The people are depressed because they feel they've wasted. Nobody's really wasted. We all have accomplishments. What you have to do is get him to value his accomplishments. You might even envy him his accomplishments. He's depressed. He's got his PhD and you say, boy, if I had my PhD, he's depressed. Why? Because he didn't get a job yet. Yeah? Or because his, his, uh, his girlfriend doesn't appreciate him. Or because he, he doesn't get along that well with people. You know? You say, well, look, if you can get a PhD, you can figure out how to get along with people. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah. right, number nine is that you've got to appreciate the buck stops here means get it done don't give up get it done when it's a tough job to do and to help another human being is tough so we, we do a half measure we don't really convince ourselves you, see? you say I told him to cheer up I told him he's got everything to live for that's not the way you've got to be determined to get it done Number 10 is, as far as your relatives are concerned, your brothers, your children, your children, you say, well, I did my best for them. No. You didn't make 50 plans. After 50 plans. But how can I make a plan? You know, my, my, especially when you have little children, you know. They, they don't operate according to plan. 50 plans, you learn learning how. Feel where they are, you'll learn how. You'll understand we have the power. Now, when you're in business, you understand when a person is in business and his business is going down, yeah, he takes 50 plans and he gets advice from another 50 people if they're willing to give him advice and they're successful businessmen. When your children are in trouble, do more. Read a couple of books. Get some ideas. And you can't just wait until somehow they work things out. <laughs> yeah. Or until they get older, they pass through this phase. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do something about it. So if you're willing to do 50 plans, 100 plans, you're gonna come up with something. If you're willing to get some input, advice, what worked with other people, you're gonna get it done. Right, number um, 11 is that machil chavschus, to help human beings, a person should really know the problems of our generation. See, one of the problems that we've mentioned a number of times in our generation is that human beings are decadent. And in this class, we proved it a number of times. And we'll prove it again for those who are here. You know, they, uh, for the first time. Tell me, no, no, we've gone through this many times, but you're here the first time. What's the opposite of pain? Pleasure. That is the definition of decadence. This is a common American answer. You are decadent. <laughs> now, please, it's, we're all decadent, yeah? Because the real answer is the opposite of pain is to be comfortable. To equate pleasure with comfort is the definition of decadence. If the absolute, the ultimate pleasure is to be comfortable, a waterbed and a television set and dreamland, yeah, that's decadent. The reality is that we pay in pain for pleasure. The greatest pleasure that your parents have, what's your name? Steve, Steve what's the greatest pleasure that your parents have? 
What's the greatest pain? <laughs> right? <laughs> Steve says the greatest pain that is that the greatest pleasure his parents have is Steve and the other children. The greatest pain that they have is Steve and the other children. Everybody realizes that if you're going to have children, it's going to be a responsibility. You've got to take care of them. It, it's a lot of pain. The problem with the 20th century is very few people really realize that it's a lot of pleasure until they have them and until they, they've lived with them. Do, do you follow? They don't anticipate the pleasure. They anticipate the pain. Eddie Cantor had seven daughters. He said, I wouldn't take $10 million for one of them. Give me $10 million to get rid of one of them. I wouldn't take $10 million for one of them. I wouldn't have another for $20 million. <laughs> because you see he's only anticipating he realizes that if he had another one he wouldn't take 10 million dollars for her right is that right but right now another one no <laughs> what too much pleasure no too much pain people are so damn afraid of pain that it wipes them out they can't function all they're doing all day long is avoiding a little more pain. If I say hello to the person sitting next to me on the plane, he might call me idiot. Ah! So I'll sit there and simmer the whole flight and be bored stiff. I'm not going to risk it. Yeah? You see that? Yeah? That's an excellent example to focus here. And you're just afraid of a little pain. Big deal. Yeah? So one of the 48 ways is how to accept pain. But you have to see... What is going wrong? Why are people miserable? What are, where, is, where are they being counterproductive in our generation? See that it's happening around you and learn how to help them. Now, how do you help them get over this decadence? Yeah. Well, one way, I mean, make ten plans. But one way is you're playing a game of basketball and you focus the guy. You know, we work so darn hard. If we work this hard in our business, yeah, if you work this hard in your business, you know, really hustle around. What do you say, Saul? If you work this hard in your business like you do when you're playing, come on, let's go, go ahead, get there, it's quick, we're on the side. Boy, you'd make a fortune. Yeah. So you focus a person that he had pain, and it didn't do him any harm. It was a pleasure. Yeah. It sinks in, you see. You're helping him. It's all right. Pain ain't the end of the world. See, you pay somebody uh, 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 $10 an hour, $20 an hour to just run across that court without a ball. Yeah? They'll call you a sadist. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Nazi, right? What are you doing? Torturing me for 20 bucks an hour? The heck with your money, right? Back, forth, jump, up, down. Back, forth, jump, up, down. You play basketball, Steve? Yeah? Can you imagine without the ball running around that court? Murder! Yeah? Give the guy the ball. Look, yeah, great. Matter of fact, if there isn't any action, if you don't have to hustle, you can't work up a sweat. Yeah, you're bored. Give him back the ball, tell him, come back when you know how to play. Yeah. Right? Okay, so this is a way, but first you have to notice what's wrong with our generation. Where are they going off? Where is their confusion coming from? What are they suffering? And then get in there and help people, help people. Great to help people to get into the swing of living, not to be afraid of ideas, not to be afraid of thinking, not to be afraid of decisions. Let's go, let's live. Number 12 is that the world, the world, you see, don't stand by, help. 
put some input into it. Straighten out the Time magazine. All the time they're writing about us in Lebanon. Where this is no good. Help them. Write them a good stiff letter that. You know, in the, over the whole world, there never was a war without civilian casualties. What the heck are you up to now? You know, where, where are you up? What's the matter with you? If you f- see that, do something. Don't just say, isn't this awful? Titch, titch. Terrible the way they're slandering. Yeah? Do something. Well, what about nuclear uh, bombs? What can you do? Ten planes. Ten planes. What can you do? You've got to do something. The book stops here. Do you follow? What about the lack of Jewish identity? What about the drift to assimilation, into marriage, if it bothers you? Yeah. Do something. What about violence in the streets? Do something. You say, what do I know? Make ten plans. Do something. Even the effort of trying to make ten plans makes you more of a human being. All right, number 13 is as we said in the beginning, that included in this is judge a man to the side of virtue. Judge him virtuous, which means don't focus and assume and judge him that he's no good. Here's the arrogant man. We dislike him. He's no good. Look at him on the side of virtue, which means what? Does this arrogant man want to live in reality? Does he want to be effective? Does he want friends? Of course he does. His arrogance is a mistake. It's a counterproductive attitude. He's suffering with it. He is suffering. (laughs) People people are turning away from him. If you judge him to the side of good, meaning that, listen, the guy wants to be productive. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to to appreciate humanity. He wants friends. He wants good life. He wants pleasure. Then you will make an effort for him. So always realize that human beings, more than they do evil more than they are bad, really will die to be good. Realize that. That's the facts of life. It's just they're making some bad mistakes. Help them. Judge them to be essentially pleasure-seeking, good-seeking, reality-seeking, which is the reality. Yeah? It's just they're making mistakes. Yeah. The other side of the coin about showing your kids something is uh, the kid parents something. Right, right, right. You have to learn that when your parents are coming down your neck, they are not ogres. They don't want to destroy you. You're judging them to the side of, of bad. When you're going to show that, when you're going to show the parents, you have to have ten plans. You have to judge him first. We're talking about judge him. Judge him first that your father really loves you. He's really trying to help. He's misbeguided the idiot. No, no, no. He really wants to do. The right thing. And he is concerned with your welfare. Right? But he is making the mistake of not making ten plans in talking to you. And not feeling where you're, go- where you're coming from. Yeah? Now, what's his mistake? You follow? But you have to realize that he really wants to communicate. He wants to do the right thing. Now, ten plans of straightening him out. One is... And you know it'll work because you misuse it all the time is be depressed. You see? But instead of adding anger to it, just be depressed and say, Dad, you know when you say those things, it hurts me. My heart breaks. I can't function for five days. I know you want to help me. That's it. Yeah, well, that's it. Every time, oh, 
You can't do it. <laughs> he doesn't want your heart to break. Yeah. You get it? Do you see? It's a good plan. You can work it all the time. <laughs> work all the time. As long as you don't blame him. You're a bum. You, you don't care about me. No, you know. I know you care about me. And I know that you love me. And you want to help me. But the f- effect of what you're doing is... I go into depression. I can't function. I think I'm worthless. My bones start aching. Ah! Oh, all right, son. All right. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. But number 14 is that whenever you have problems with people, and we always have problems with people, with people who leave their towels around or a dirty bathroom or who don't appreciate us enough, right? Or who are obnoxious in the way they tell us off. Right? We have all kinds of problems, yeah? So always look at it when you have problems with people that I have to find them into the right path. I have to make them more productive in what they're doing. Ten plans. That's the way you solve your problems, you see. Don't suffer, don't fight, don't yell, don't be irritated, don't sulk. But what? Take action by straightening them out. Number 15 is that whenever you hear a piece of wisdom that you consider valid, valuable, and worthwhile, the only way for your parents and the best way for everyone is ask advice. What does it mean to ask advice? You say, look, you know, I really would like to help my friends. My friends are wasting their time. Or I would like to help my, my cousin who, uh, who's yelling at his son. Yeah? You have to ask a real piece of advice, right? How should I help him? That's Machila Chavzchus. Or I know that I should appreciate having eyes. You know, you're coming home to your parents and you say, listen, you know, I heard this, it puzzles me. I know that if I came back from the hospital and I, I was just able to see, I'd be, I'd be overwhelmed for two weeks with, with the joy of looking. Yeah? And now I'm bored. What do I do? Why is this the most effective way in Judaism we say? Clarity brings action. Thinking brings clarity. If you get them thinking about the problem, and they will think because everybody wants to give somebody else advice, yeah? especially parents. If they'll think, you know, that's a good problem you got there, son. Yeah, let me think about it, right? He'll think, he'll get a clarity, it moves him. He'll jump in to help you, yeah? You're not telling him that he's not happy. You're not telling him he doesn't appreciate his eyes. You're not telling him that he's worried about nonsense when he has so much to be grateful for, right? You tell him that, you'll have your head handed to you on the silver platter, Right? But you're asking him, how do I appreciate these things? And you really want his ideas, because every human being's got good ideas, right? Like that. They start thinking, they make discoveries, yeah, you can exchange ideas, fantastic. And get them thinking, and they're going to come up with a piece of advice which may not be right, which may be totally right. Fine, so you don't say, so what do they say? I mean, how, can, how far off the mark? If you couch your question in the right way, like, how can I appreciate, I mean, is it, is it worthwhile the fact that we have hands and feet and we're in a free country and, and, and nobody's out to kill us? And, 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 and uh, it's, it shouldn't, shouldn't this be pleasurable? What, do you have to be on death row to appreciate that you're free? You have to be paralyzed to appreciate to have hands? What's the matter with me? Yeah. So what are they going to say? Well, son, that's the way life is. That's not advice. Yeah. But let's say he's going to say, son, that's it. 
So you say, pardon me, I don't understand. So then what's the use? And that will get him. You say, what's the use of making a million bucks and being really good at business if I'm going to get used to that too? Right? If I'm used to my eyes and my feet, then I'll get used to my swimming pool. I'll get used to the, my Mercedes. Are you used to your Mercedes? Yeah? Yeah, he's used to the Mercedes. So what am I for? For two weeks? I'm quitting. That's it. All right, you say, wait, wait, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> you can't resist. Somebody's asking you to help. You've got you to make an effort. Ben? Is there any magical way of, of bringing up children so that they will appreciate all that they have? Sure. The question is asked, can you really bring up children that they should be happy, that they should appreciate what they have? Can you do it? Yeah. Very simple. Children are, are moldable. You know, one of the techniques we give for happiness is you ask somebody, one of the techniques, every hour on the hour, get one of these little watches that go ding, on the hour, ding, ten pleasures I had this hour. Yeah. Now, children... If you take the trouble to say, okay, ten pleasures you had this hour. Come on, children, they get into the game. Do you understand? Once they're having pleasure, pleasure is energizing. What ten pleasures did you have today? Think for a moment. I mean, that's the happiness game. Yeah? Ten pleasures you had. It was a beautiful day. Took a shower. Uh, you met someone. Somebody laughed at your joke. Anybody laugh at your joke today? Ah, what a pleasure. Re relive it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I gave him some pleasure. What was the pleasure? Reconstitute it. It's, it's there today, right now. Pleasure is always just as good as when it, when it was there. So with children, they'll follow your lead. They will do what you lead them on to doing. Yeah? They're moldable. The thing is that you have to take the trouble, make that effort. <laughs> That's the problem. Make the effort. So some parents naturally feel that, that drive to make an effort to reach for their children, to get them, you know, into, into enjoying what they're doing, and some leave them to their, uh, to their <laughs> working it out. They don't work it out. <laughs> they don't work it out. They need to be helped. Number 16 is that for living, the watch word for living is don't give up. Don't suffer your family, your friends, or society. Change them. If you have a brother who's a drunkard, a hundred plans. Yeah? Can't give up. Well, it's his life. You follow? He wants to commit suicide, God forbid. Ten thousand plans. Right? You've got to try. The guy is going to jump off the roof. That's it. And you've got to appreciate the same thing goes with your child who's who's fighting with his friends, the same thing goes with your employee that you're going to have to fire. Do you realize you're firing the guy? If he's not an incompetent, an incompetent, then that means he's going to get fired by the next guy, fired by the next guy. Help him out. You saved his life. You can turn him into a bull fire. Anybody can be great. All right? Help him be great. Ten plans. The least... Before you give up on a human being. That's the watchword. Don't give up. For living, don't give up. Number 18 is, you're badly annoyed with someone. The guy overcharged you. Yeah? The crook. Judge him to the side of right. <laughs> Always remember. The employee, the child, 
the boss, the bum. No, no, that's not the way to live. The first thing is judge him to the side of right. He's an honest man. He wants to give fair value. And he, well, what do you mean he's always doing this? He's rationalizing. He's an honest man. He wouldn't steal money. If you leave it on his table, he wouldn't steal money. He'll just overcharge you by 55%. <laughs> you get it? Just crazy. That's all. Remember, in Judaism, we say anybody who does something wrong, temporary insanity. Everybody wants to do the right thing. It's temporary insanity. That's not stealing. You don't understand. That's business. It's a rationalization. That's like a game, you know. That's business. Uh, buyer beware. <laughs> yeah? <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now why? Why do we need this? So number one is that if you see a neighbor's child has leukemia, God forbid, God forbid, so you give him advice, you know, did you take him down to uh, Sloan Kittering? Did you, uh, did you get a good doctor? Yeah. And that's throwaways, right? You know he's done that, yeah. Right? But then you say, too bad. God forbid if it's your own kid, well then you're going to read magazines, you're going to do research, you're going to ask people, what, is there any new, something new in leukemia? Is there anybody cured? Who did it? How did it happen? Right? Because it's your kid. You've got to appreciate, to be a good human being, you have to be as equally concerned with other human beings as you are with yourself. They're just as real. Their suffering is just as real. Their life is just as real as you. Otherwise, you have a little arrogance. You're the only real people in this world. <laughs> You're just out. You're crazy. They are just as real as you. You have to consider them that way. That's to do everything you can to help. Everything you can tell. Now, you're not going to do it all the time, but you've got to keep moving it. Number two is, we're helping other people. We are objective. When we're thinking about this guy is beating up on his kids, or how do I get my father off it, we are objective when we're trying to help other people. So our minds work fantastically. It's when we're on the spot that we're bollocked up. So when we're thinking, this guy's depressed, what do I do to cheer him up? Yeah, Think, fantastic, let's move the furniture. When you're depressed, once you've done it for your friend, you say, well, let me get moving the furniture. Yeah, It's, it's in there, you know it works. You know it's just a set. Like this, I tell you, it's an in... But when you're depressed, this is the end of the world. There's no way out. The bars are around you. You're stuck. But once you've helped somebody out of depression, friend... The rest of your life, you're free. Do you see that? It goes home, you know it works. Okay, just one, the mice, you should do something about it. So what should you do about it? The first thing that I'm asking you to do about it is that you're here, even for a couple of days, a week, you're here for a little while. There's something about this place, about the people here, about the way I give a class, about the way it's run, about... The, uh, the, uh, the way people behave in the dining room or the food is served or the apartment is kept, that's bothering you, right? About the people, yeah? Ten plans, do something about it. Learn to do something about what's bothering you, yeah? Change the people, don't suffer them. Ten plans, choose one and do it. Once you've done that, then I'd say, take step number two and think back about your relationships with your parents or your brothers or your friends and focus on two of them, 
two problems that you're having, make ten plans of how to change them, get them into the proper way, rather than suffering. I thank you. You have been listening to Voices from Jerusalem. For a complete listing of our cassettes, see our web store at aish.com. For a free cassette catalog, email us at voices at aish.com or call toll-free in the U.S. 1-800-VOICES-3. Our main office is at 1 Western Wall Plaza, Jerusalem, Israel. Shalom from Jerusalem. Jerusalem.